0: Hi, welcome to The Zone podcast. I'm Karina Rubic. And I'm Paula Benetton. And at today's show, we have a very special guest, Liam Coldwell, head teacher at a primary school in Sheffield, England. And Liam is special because he's a dear friend of us and also a role model leader who stands for purpose and impact. And we worked together six years ago to kickstart a culture change at his school. And Liam comes to the show today to share a little bit about that journey, his learnings, his challenges, and his successes along the way.
1: Mm-hmm. And on top of that, he's the father of three young children. So if you're interested in high-performance cultures in general, or particularly in education, or just wanting to you know, be able to stand strong in your values with your own kids, Stay tuned, because Liam's going to share a bedtime tip
2: with us.
0: Hi, Liam. Welcome to the Zone podcast.
3: Hi, Paola. Hi, Karina. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here.
1: Yeah, Liam, you're most welcome. And I'm super excited to have you here too, because seriously, you are one of my most favorite people. And you know, to actually have you come on and chat about what might we chat about around values and education and kids, I'm super excited about. And I'm sure our listeners out there will be like, you know, intrigued to hear some of the life stories that I'm sure you can you can share with us in this field. So, so welcome, welcome. And um, just before this, when we were off um, before we came on, you were talking. We were. Connecting around your son, Remy, who has just got in from the doctors. Is he okay?
3: Yeah, he's fine. He's come home from the emergency out of our doctors with oh. a, a new inhaler, so a little puffer, uh, which he's quite excited about because he knows numerous football players who have got one as well. So I think he's seeing it as a bit of a badge of honour. So oh. just before, when I was on with you guys before... His arm reached around the door, and just waved this thing in front of me, and I had to, like, show my enthusiasm whilst at the same time pushing his hand away. Uh, so I think I did that quite That's well. That's
2: so cute. How old is Remy?
3: Uh, Remy is six, six and a half, and he's one of three that I have. So, yeah, they're all, they're all in bed.
2: Fantastic. And how old are the other two? Just to give us an idea of the family.
3: Yeah, Felix is eight and alvia or we call a vv is three uh, nearly four very nearly four so uh, that's what the bags (laughs) under the eyes are the tiredness
2: yeah
1: and and in terms of a household that that's a busy household three young children and on top of that tell us about your current role then i'll connect in about how i how parla and i actually first met you many years ago and i think it was 2015
3: Yes, it was 2015, all those years ago. So I'm currently uh, a head of school, which is, in effect, a head teacher, a principal of a primary school, which has children from the ages of three to 11. So, so my role involves strategically leading that school on a, on a day-to-day basis, making sure that the teachings a really high quality, uh, making sure that the direction of the school strategically is, is, is where it needs to be, working with parents, working with anyone who has a has a relationship with that school, mm. and just kind of making sure that the brand, because schools are now a brand, I think they have to be seen as a brand, making sure that the brand is on point and that everything that the school does, everything that the school says, everything that the school communicates is on, on message and on brand and then connecting that to the, the purpose that we have as a school. So alongside that that work that I do, I'm also commissioned by the Department for Education to be what's called an LLE, so a local leader of education, which in effect means that you are commissioned by the education department to go and work with other schools who may need to be turned around in a very quick amount, Mm. a very short amount of time, who may need um, leadership support, leadership capacity in the short term, who may need some diagnostic support. In, in many cases, need some, some support mm. around culture, mm. professional culture. Yep. So it's a varied role. Um, and, um, that role ceases for me in, in, at the end of December um, when I move to my, to my new role.
2: Oh, and we met you back in 2015. And I'm curious as to, we, we, we started doing a cultural change program with your staff. And super curious as to what have you been learning? Like this has been going on since 2015. What have you been learning as, as a human being, as a head principal during this process?
3: Yes, yeah, so I think the main thing I've uh, I've learned is that the culture stuff is really hard, really, really hard. It's definitely not easy stuff. And, w- and one of the one of the comments or questions I'll have quite frequently from people who visit the school is. You can feel the culture here, is what they will say, and how do you get that? With the implication that, it's, that, that once it's there, it stays, that it's something that you've discovered, and once you've found it, it will just kind of sit there and work with you or serve you. And, and, and I, my message to them is, it's an incredible amount of hard work to develop a professional culture that drives you forward. It's, it's hard work to create it, it's even harder work to maintain it, is, is the message that I always give. And in order to do that, you have to almost be obsessive about it, and the stronger the culture gets, the more on guard you have to be of that territory, as it were, if that makes sense. Because the stronger it becomes, and the more people become to that culture the more it becomes a shared language and the more it becomes a shared language the more people's radars are up to where it doesn't feel or look or sound quite right and as the leader you have to be the person who is the most attuned to it um, so that is quite it is <laughs> exhausting being honest um, but it's exhausting because it's the right way to operate, I believe. So how do we do it? Just doing it relentlessly every day, um, being obsessive about it, and making it the first thing we talk about when we're talking kind of colleague to colleague. And then there's obviously loads of things that sit around that in terms of like from a meta level, like a strategic overview of how you develop that. Because I think there is a misunderstanding sometimes that it's not a strategic thing and it's definitely a strategic thing so strategically the strategy is to develop a high a high performance culture technique wise what you do to achieve that is a different conversation but I definitely separate them into two, two levels as it were strategic and technical and I think my experience with other leaders is that they tend to have one or the other so they might want the culture but not have the techniques that Bring them closer to that or they've got the techniques because they feel quite nice but they don't have the set purpose of, of work of developing professional culture if that makes sense mm-hmm.
2: and have you, have you got a story you could share with us around maybe a defining moment for you and your leadership of this program it could have been a failure or a super challenge that you faced
3: so um, about three four years ago we did quite a lot of work on bringing the values that we'd agreed on as, as a team to life at the end of every week. And there were five or six values, you know, agreed behaviours linked to those. And we'd say, okay, we're going to celebrate where you've seen a colleague or yourself embody those values and embody those behaviours. For about four or five weeks, I, 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 I modelled it first and then just let it sit um, and just kind of wanted to see where it would go. And it very quickly became just basically people acknowledging other people for, for in effect, doing their jobs. Which I thought, "Mm, this doesn't quite feel right because the basic expectation is that we do our jobs. What we're really saying here is, can we highlight really specific examples of those values brought to life? in interactions that you've seen with your colleagues or you've seen your colleagues have with other people. So, so at that point, what I really quickly realised, Karina Powell, was that just because it's in my head and I think I've said it, doesn't mean that they've understood it. What's, what I've said is what they've understood. So, I had to rewind it and say, so the purpose of this is to exemplify these behaviours and, and celebrate these behaviours so that we have more of them. And we actually have to have expectations of ourselves that are much higher than just doing our jobs. And part of that, one of our values was about honesty. So I said, and so for me, I own that. I haven't modeled that very well at all. Um, And I've not defined the, the purpose around it clearly enough. So what I'd like to do now is to reset that and start that again. And that was quite a big turning point, really for a couple of reasons. Firstly, I think they saw a leader who was prepared to be vulnerable and was prepared to say, yeah, completely kind of balls that up, so to speak. And secondly, it was kind of a a learning piece together where it did shift expectations because all of a sudden it was, oh, actually we kind of have to be unreasonable in our expectations of each other if that makes sense and I think leadership is about being unreasonable because there are so many times when you get told you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, we've tried that, we've tried that and I think well if we're just confined by what has only ever been what is the point? So I think there is an unreasonableness that leaders need um, in order to, to shift culture, to shift expectations and to shift outcomes um, and that can be quite uncomfortable because you're sometimes trying to take a team further than they're probably ready to go. But you know that if you can just get through, if you can just if, if you might want to take five steps, if you can get them to take two, and you take two with them, the next three become easier. Yeah, so for me it was about defining my unreasonableness.
2: <laughs> I love that. I love that. That leadership is about being unreasonable. <laughs> And this, was there a time or a situation where you went, yes, it's finally getting in? You know, that when you saw something happen without you, without your direction or input?
3: Yeah, well, kind of we're in a place now where for, for about for about three-ish years, two and a half, three years, we've kind of been, we, we are there because things will happen and I don't even know about them. So it might be that three problems have occurred and I literally, like, when I say don't know about them, I mean, I I literally don't know about them because by the time I'm told about them, three people have taken ownership and gone, Liam, this came up. I did this, this, and this. And, and, And to get to that point, it was kind of like six months of people want to check that it's okay and they want to check the decisions they've made. But once... You kind of at that point where you kind of have to define that you just tr- you have to say that you trust them like paula like that decision you've made if you have any decisions like that in future please know that i trust you to make the right decision but then this is the key bit you see the right decision doesn't mean it gets the right outcome the right decision means i trust that you made it from the right place and if that's the right decision with the right outcome you get all the credit for that and if it's the wrong decision, then that comes back to me. And that for me is a really key piece around any success has to be owned by the team, but any shortcomings or failures have to be taken by the leader. And that's how I've tried to approach things.
0: Hey, Liam, I love what you're saying right now. And I'm sure it is the dream of many leaders out there, you know, like to not even be aware of the problem because when they are aware, the problem's are already, already solved. So but also there's a lot of leaders that expect they don't trust and don't delegate because they expect that the decision people take is the same decision as they they would take, or the outcome would be the same outcome as they want. So what do you have to say about that? What's any learnings or any tips from your side that you have to share?
3: Yeah, so I think in terms of decision-making, if you make a decision as a leader, that you have to know and be, be across every single decision. I think you'll end up, it's just not a recipe for physical or mental well-being for anybody, really. So I think there has to, my advice would be that um, there has to come a point where there are certain things you have to let go of in terms of control, but that doesn't mean letting go of the ultimate responsibility that you carry as a leader. Because really, I think it's about creating that. I call it like a tolerance of error. So if I I give somebody the autonomy, the responsibility to make a decision, I have to know that for them to grow, they may have to make the wrong decision. But then it's about what do I do afterwards with that person to reflect on that decision, whether it's a good or bad one. And And I have to be prepared to know that, I'm going to let Karina make this decision because actually I think it could be a really good learning point for her. And it's a win-win really because Karina makes the right decision and it builds her confidence and it shows that that trust is multiplied in both ways or Karina makes the decision, we reflect on it and then there's some learning there. So the tolerance of error bit there for me, pal, is quite important uh, and allowing people space to, to grow into that really. But to give them that emotional safety and to say, almost be quite brave with it and say, are you asking me to make that decision? So, for example, that might be a regular thing. People might come and ask me something and I'll say, had it today. I literally had it today. Said, are you asking me to make that decision? Are you telling me because you'd like a perspective or is it something else? And and the person says, um, no, I think I've made a decision. I said, OK, do you want to tell me what the decision is or do you want to just go with it because i trust you and they said i'd like to tell you and then i'm just going to go and do it and i said yeah that's fine w- whatever kind of serves you they told me i said okay that's all yours come back if you, if you you know with any feedback from the decision now i don't even know what that decision how that landed but i know that even that this that discussion that we had is of huge value um so that's a very long answer, Paula, to a very short
0: question. <laughs> well, I think it was a very powerful answer to a like a hard question. So thank you so much for that, and uh, and Liam, and how does that connect with the work you do at school, like to educate children, and you as a parent to educate uh, a team of three at home
3: yeah so in terms of working with teams whether it's the team at home or the team at school and i'm probably going to talk like techniques now rather than strategy technique wise and this this will probably sound just really overly simple to to people but just when i'm having conversations day to day and the team when we have conversations literally starting conversations with the purpose of this discussion is the purpose of this conversation is, the purpose of this email is, to rooting everything in purpose, which sounds really, really simple and can almost feel really strange when you start to do it, but I think there's a little bit of stripping it all back and thinking, right, this conversation I'm having now has to be about making things better for these children, or it has to be about making it better for this staff member so that they can then make it better for children, or it has to be about making it better for this parents so that they can make it better for their child, so they can make it that their child can have a better experience in school. So technique-wise, that's a really simple one. And likewise, when, when, I've, when we're working with the kids at home, me and my wife, not just the because I told you so, it's articulating the reasoning behind that decision or, or behind that thought process. So it's really important we go to bed now because if we don't go to bed now we'll be tired in the morning and if we're tired in the morning it'll be harder to do our learning at school can you understand why we're asking you to go to bed now so again it does feel really simple because what I do notice is um, I think leadership sometimes becomes so it can be over complicated and really it's just about influence leadership is just influence and how you influence people and and how you do that from from what you stand for how you do that from what you say how you do that from how you are with people and how you do that from what you truly believe so yeah does that answer the question paula
0: yes yes <laughs> thank you i i i love that you know everything starts with purpose and you know like a uh, circles around purpose and uh yeah, I'll definitely take inspiration on this go to bed technique whenever I need that in the future. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, Paula, I'm not saying it I works. I think you,
0: you gave home many parents of it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's the hope that kills you, that's what to say, isn't it? it? So, hang on to
1: the hope. Yes, yeah. What, what I want to acknowledge you for, Liam, is really bringing that sense of relentless passion and yeah. perseverance, you know, because as you said, it is hard work. And it's through, you know, what I always feel when we chat is that incredible love and um, depth of integrity
2: mm. that
1: you bring yeah. not only as a father and, you know, I've had the, the privilege of seeing you with your children and, you know, how you and your wife are bringing your children up. And also how you influence your team at school. Mm. You know, and just that whole piece, you know, like um, you know, I have goosebumps kind of now, like, you know, feeling it's it's that the ripple and the echo in the ecosystem of when someone stands stands strong in their personal purpose and their values, and that's aligned, tightly aligned with the value and purpose of the organization what really is possible and i you know just acknowledge you for that that huge ripple in your community you know that you bring and it's really really special Mm. and so to to wrap up we'd like to invite you you know what's next for you on your career path and how would you like people you know people to connect with you and what would you like to say to end
3: yeah so next for me is to move to become a soul inspector So in in England, we have an organisation called Ofsted, which is the Office for Standards in Education. So I'll be working as an Ofsted inspector, um, as an HMI, and Her Majesty's Inspector, inspecting schools in Yorkshire and the Humber. So really excited about that and really excited to try uh, to bring like a human element to inspection and building relationships with leadership teams of the schools that I'm inspecting. So really excited, really excited about that. And the second part, Karina, was...
2: Who would you like to connect with you?
3: I'd really like to connect with anyone who is is interested in high performance, high performance uh, within teams, high performance as leaders, and also anyone who's interested in strategically thinking about developing a high-performance culture, but then also who is interested in thinking not just of the strategic overview of that, but how to technically and practically bring that to life day to day. So so I'm really interested in connecting with people who would like to connect the strategic and technical elements of high performance in their organizations.
1: Right. Wow. And if they've got, got a couple of kids like yourself, <laughs> even you you're the you're definitely the man for the job there.
3: <laughs> yeah. If you want to get them to bed, come and,
0: talk to them. <laughs> and where can people find you? Yeah.
3: Um, so people can find me on uh, Twitter, uh, which is at Liam Colclough One, and my second name is an Irish second name, so I'm not expecting people to spell it. So I'm hoping Corinna and Paula, <laughs> there'll be some kind of written information for people They'll to probably, use. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes, we'll have that. No worries.
3: <laughs> and then uh, the other way people can contact me is is through my organisation, which is called Transform Leadership. So the email address is contacttransformleadership at gmail So again, that can um, I'm sure you guys can put that out for me.
2: Great. Right. Well, Liam, once again, thank you so much for joining us on the Zone Podcast. And um, yeah, everyone, if you'd like to reach out and and uh, hear more from Liam, please do so. Carla, anything you'd like to add?
0: Thank you so much, Liam. It was so inspiring to, to see you and to meet you after about six years now. And uh, what an example of impactful, beautiful work you're doing. And thank you so much for sharing that with us today.
3: Well, thank you so much. And thank you for starting the journey um, six, seven years mm-hmm. ago, because without that, without that kind of jump start, none of this would have happened. So thank you for, Lighting that fire seven years ago.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.
3: Goodbye for now. Bye bye.
0: Wow. I feel inspired. I feel energized. I loved every minute of this conversation. Like, Liam is such a beautiful example of a human being, a leader. Wow.
1: Mm, he is, isn't he? It, it really, you know, his his humility, his connection, you know, the servant leadership really comes across, you know, and just a really good human being up to doing good things in the world, you know? Mm. And, you yeah, one of the things that um, struck with me was when Liam said, you know, leadership is about the un- unreasonableness, you know, that we have of each other mm-hmm. to really push the boundaries. And, needing this unreasonableness to really shift culture
0: yeah and it can be unreasonable with a purpose right Mm -hmm. it's uh, that visionary with a cause and i love how he stands for purpose in everything you know like so not only like his personal purpose in really change education but also like the purpose of the school the purpose of the team the purpose of every meeting And also the purpose of why these kids need to go to bed at the time they need to go. (laughs) I love that piece so much.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm sure there's a few adults out here, including myself, that need that too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So if you really feel inspired and you want to connect with Liam, you know where to find him. He is a really amazing person to get many tips and stories and a really nice heart and to, to listen to. And if you want to kickstart your culture change, then do get in touch with us. You know where to find us in the thezone.co. And you can connect with me and with Corina on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening. And ciao for now. Ciao.